0: Okay, a life like a Bible story. So pretty much this, I think, I think what God is asking us to do is acknowledge that we have a plan from God, and I'm sure somehow this, 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 this word in this song we're going to respond to at some stage. Uh, maybe God wants to drive this home. Okay, our life like a Bible story. Okay, so uh, it's great that Howie just mentioned a whole bunch of people in the Bible. There was Peter in there, there was, there was uh, Paul in there, there was a bit of David in there. I'm t- I've just taken David. We could take, I could, we could, we could have three hours here, and I could do just what I did with David now. I could do it with six people. And we're gonna get to a similar, a similar place around how God works with people in the Bible and to this day. Okay. So can we so we're gonna quickly go through David's life? So that was a short summary. So what's the summary of David's life? David was a teenager. Um, and then God uh, uh, came to him and gave him a prophet, uh, a prophecy through a kind of prophet, and he said, you're going to be king of Israel. He was a teenager. And then 30 years, and then when he's 30 years old, he's king of Israel. Done. Okay, there's a whole section from teenage to 30 years old. So we read often things in the Bible, I think. And we think, yes, that's great, and that's peachy, and that's wonderful. And then we walk our lives out on this earth, and we're trying to walk our God's plan out and life sucks. And we go, well, then there must be something wrong with me. I must not be in God's will, or I must not be doing anything right. I'm going to charge us today. I'm going to challenge you guys on that. I'm going to challenge you on the fact that you could possibly feel that you're outside of God's plan for you, and you might not be. Okay, let's get into it. I'm going to go, I'm going to have to go pretty quickly. Can you imagine we can't cover David's life in a, 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 and not have lunch together and work through the whole night. So I'm going to go pretty quickly. I'm going to try and read a, a couple of scriptures, because I want you to see it for yourself. I don't want you to paraphrase from me, but I can only grab, uh, grab a few. Tell me when I'm reading too much scripture. Okay, Howie. Okay, so okay, so here we come. David, the life of David. This is a biblical story. David, God tells the prophet Samuel to anoint a young David to be king of Israel, and he's chosen above his brothers. That's what happens. So uh, prophet comes, Where's your brothers, he's out in the field, he comes and there he is. He's getting he's getting anointed. Okay, bam. Then David kills Goliath. So David ultimately says to the Philistines, you come against me with Anyway, long story short, there's this whole Goliath story. Uh, there's this guy ch- uh, 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 mocking the armies of mocking the armies of God, right? And there's this little ch- chickenling, this teenage boy David, they said that Goliath was doing it for like 30 or 40 days, so every day. And David's like, who's this guy? Who's this? I'm just bringing bread to you, the soldiers. Who's this guy? What's this This guy's blabbing his mouth? I know he's big, but is he blabbing his mouth. And then he eventually just goes out there and he kills him and cuts off his head. Okay. Everyone's freaking out. David's like, everyone, you can imagine, everyone's going, who the heck is that guy? Like no one in the army, and he chops off, the, who's that guy? So David was then made a high-ranking officer in the army, in the kind of Israel army, and everyone started singing, singing songs about him. Everyone's like praising David, singing, singing songs about him, okay? So Saul, who's, who's the king at the time, becomes jealous of David, and he even starts throwing spears at him. So long story short, just to qualify that, the Bible speaks of um, the anointing leaving Saul, and almost God allows what it speaks of, an evil spirit, to torment Saul. That's what the Bible says, okay? And Saul's tormented. Um, and it looks like to everyone at the time, God is with David, or the spirit of God is with David, right? So Saul's tormented. He's sitting in his chair. And then David, he likes a bit of hop action as well. So he's not only a warrior. He likes a little bit of warrior poet vibes. So, so David plays for Saul to, like, to like soothe him. He's like a tormented dude. And Saul, every now and again, chucks a spear at the guy. Okay? Uh, questions? But, all right. He's ducking spears. Okay, fine. Um, so then, Saul, then, this would grow, and Saul will tell David to do crazy things because he was scared of him. He was hoping that he would die in battle. So check Saul. Saul is setting up David. He's like, go. just You'll read large portions of Scripture, and Saul is pretty much sending David on suicide missions in the battlefield, and he's like, yeah, he's probably going to die this time. One of them was, one of them, Saul says, um, you want to marry my, one of my daughters? I think it's Michael, M M I C H A L. you marry uh, one of my daughters? To marry her, I want you to go fight a battle. This is the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. I wish I could. Um, I want you to go fight a battle. Your, the fee, the price, like Labola in a weird way, the price to marry her is a hundred Philistine foreskins. No, it's a hundred. David says, I see your hundred, I'm gonna bring back two hundred. What? What? So David goes, Mighty men, rolling out, foreskins for us. I don't know how you carry that, and he brings it back. Did dude, he brings it back. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time, alas, David took his men with him and went out and killed 200 Philistines and brought back their foreskins. They counted out the full number to the king so that David might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter, Michael, in marriage. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michael, loved David, Saul became still even more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy the rest of his days this guy's, David's rolling. Okay. Saul is now, now, now at this stage, Saul is trying to kill David. And it's very much due to this evil spirit. There is some, there's some, there's some, weird, crazy, um, part of an evil spirit and part of Saul's heart. He, he's, he's outright wants to kill the guy. So now he's not even being subtle. He wants to kill him. And in David's own words, There's a scripture where David is speaking to Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan loves him. He's saying, Jonathan, I am one step away from death because of your dad. I'm one step away from death. He speaks like that. He's not close to being king then. So David is on the run, fleeing for his life. He's stressed out. He's coming to towns. He's acting crazy in front of people because they don't want him to capture him and take him back to Saul. So David's choosing... So he's on the run, fleeing for his life. He's got some mighty men with him. When he comes to a town, he acts crazy. Do you understand that? He's drooling. He goes like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, aren't you David? I'm not sure. He's acting crazy because he's so scared that if he's sane, that those guys know whose kingdom they're a part of, and they're going to grab him. So he tries to act crazy. He's stressed. He's fleeing for his life. I don't know what it's like to flee for your life. When you when you flee for your life, you probably do weird things. And he's doing weird things. He's sleeping in caves. He's sleeping in mountains and deserts. He's gathering people from the from the outskirts of Saul's kingdom. He's gathering people who are disgruntled with him, and he's like building a bit of an army. He's got like 300, four, four kind of hundred people. But he's 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 on the outs. Okay. Saul is chasing him now with thousands of men and killing anyone that he finds in a town who is helping David in any shape or form. Okay, wait. I just want to qualify quickly. Generally, you use thousands of men to fight another army of thousands, yeah? I don't know if you need a thousand for like 200 guys. But he's just crazy. He's deploying the same amount of soldiers that he would go to war with any country. So he's off his rocker. He's getting, he's getting crazy, Saul is, I don't know what he's doing, God knows, and now he's going into towns and every now and again, he, he, he inquires of the people when he moves in to, to, to like a town, he's saying, where's David, where's David, have you seen David, I feel like you've seen David, no, I don't trust you, I feel like you've seen David, you need to tell me or you're going to die, and he's killing people, the one, the one story here, if I read a scripture, he kills a bunch of priests, because they helped him, okay, so this is getting crazy. Jonathan comes to David and encourages him now at this stage and reminds him of of what God promised him back in the day. And he says this, While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord, covenant vibes. Then they did some of the blood in the walking through. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. So Saul's son, Jonathan, saying, I'm going to be second to you. I'm not going to be second to my dad. Don't forget, you're going to be the king of Israel. But brother, Jonathan, I love you. You're my boy. I'm on the run, my friend. I am. I don't know if you realize that. Did you see where I'm sitting? I'm sitting in that cave there. I don't feel kingy right now. David has Saul, the guy who's trying to kill him, in a cave. So this is the famous story. Okay, check this. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En-Gedi. So, so Saul took 3,000 able young men. That's a lot of people, bro. From all Israel, and set out to look for David and his men near the near the crags of the wild goats. Great, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. You see, I don't think that's accurate because he's sleeping there. That's not an accurate picture. Isn't relieving yourself like is it, you know you're not sleep, you don't sleep to relieve yourself? So in that picture, he should be squatting, I think, maybe. But anyway, so he says. To the, so, so the scripture says here. Um, Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with him as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken. For having cut off a corner of his robe, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. The guy's trying to kill you there. Or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men in the back of the cave. Now I added that. They went, I'm just, yeah. And did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face like on the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of robe I have in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. I had you. You're killing me. You're chasing me. I had you in a cave. Here's your robe. If I can cut off your robe, I can cut off your head. And I have done it in the past. You remember Goliath. And I didn't. David's spare time passes. He's still running. So they 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 don't get repaired there, right? Saul just goes. And David keeps fleeing, which I find strange. Again, another time. David spares Saul's life again. and Even one of his soldiers told, told him that God had delivered Saul to him. So I'm not going to read this again. But at the end of the day, there's another story. Um, Saul is sleeping. He's all camped with his, with his kind of armies. And he's kind of sleeping in a tent. And David goes down with another guy, someone, Abishai, Goes down in the middle of the night. And there's Saul sleeping. Again, it's a story like a cave. This Abishai guy says, Bru, this is God. This is God right now. Yeah, you take that. And there was a steer stuck in the ground next to him. It was Saul's spear. He says, take that spear and give it to one. And David says, no, we can't kill God's anointed. Because David's got this understanding. David's going, in my mind, David's going, God prophesied over my life when I was a teenager. And he said, he's going to make me king of Israel. And, and there's something in his belief that David felt, if I do this, I'm making myself king of Israel. I've got to be honest. I'm next to David here at this stage, right? I'm like, but didn't God put David here in front of, I mean Saul in front of you here with a spear next to him so that you can become king of, all you have to do is go, da, eh, da. What more do you expect God to do? Do you expect God to just, So, practically, I'd like to say, I think that person next to David, and it's happened a few times, some of his men now, and kind of in this thing, they are doing what they think is best, don't they? I think they think they're doing what God's will is, and they're actually going, this is God's will for you, and David, no, it's not, and they're like, what? Twice now, dude, how long must we be on the run for? No, it's not God's will that I should kill him, okay? Okay? David again, stands, moves away, calls out to Saul and says again, what does he say? David said, you're a man, aren't you? Who is like you in Israel? Why didn't you guard the Lord your king? Someone came to destroy your Lord the king. What have you done? What you've done is not good. As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men must die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where are the king's spear and water jug? They were near his head. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, David, my son? Don't call him your son anymore. David replied, yes it, is, my, yes, it is, my Lord, the king. And he added, Why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? And what wrong am I guilty of? Now let the Lord, the king, listen to your servant's words. If the Lord hasn't said, anyway, long story short, a second time, David is appealing to Saul and saying, I've got your spear, I've got your water jug that was next to your head. I could have killed you, and I haven't killed you. Why are you chasing me to kill me? And he's got to do it from a distance. Because he doesn't trust the dude. He's done it twice now. He's trying to show Saul, why are you doing this? Don't Stop killing me. Stop chasing me. So then, David, for a few years, was serving as other king's bodyguards and stuff, and he wasn't even king yet. David experiences... Um, his home being burnt, so he got married again, and he goes to help this guy, and he, and he comes back to, to his home, and he stands, and his whole village is in ashes. Uh, his family's been captured, and he's standing there. Okay. Then what happens? Saul and his son Jonathan die in battle. And a man who did Saul's last dying wish, Saul asked him, comes to David with Saul's crown and armband. Okay, so here's what happens in the bigger scheme of things. Saul is in another battle with his son Jonathan, and they're fighting Philistines, and they're dying. Saul doesn't want to be killed by a Philistine. Saul just goes, I'm going to fall on my sword. So he falls on his sword. He doesn't quite kill himself. There's a guy there. He's probably in the background, that guy, whatever that guy is. There's a guy there, and Saul turns to him and says, kill me. I I don't want to be tortured or, or killed by the person. Kill me. It's the last man's dying wish. Check this. That guy does it. It's the last man's dying wish. He does it. Ha! He takes off Saul's crown, takes off his armband, brings it to David. And David says, you killed God's anointed, and you're going to die here as well for that. Then David is anointed as king of Judah. Great, getting there. Not quite king of Israel yet, eh? So Saul's other son—he's got a funny name, Gabala Shabash. Saul's other son is now forty years old. Okay, forty years old, and he has been king of Israel for two years. David, no, he's king of two years. With David being being king of not Israel, sorry, David being king of uh, Judah for seven and a half years david is still not king of israel yet so david is 30 years old now no he's just he's, he's he's just less than 30 years old and saul's other son is king of israel okay so just to let you know he's still not king of israel a couple of, a bunch of time has passed since he was a teenager eh? more wars against the house of saul and between the house of saul and david's house And and the Bible describes this lasting a long time. What is a long time? I don't know. Probably longer than a year, maybe. The Bible, it's a long time. So there's there's this war still between Saul's house and David. Gradually, over time, Saul's house is growing weaker. David's house is growing stronger. Again, men try to make King David again. They they kill Saul's son, the king, at night time in his bed. No, in the afternoon, in his kind of in his bed, expecting to be praised. So they cut off Saul's, Saul, the king's head, they take the head and they bring it to David. And they say, Da Yeah, <laughs> we're awesome, right? So you're king, we made you king, you can say thank you. What does David say again? What does he say? Lot of scripture here. They had gone into, these guys had gone into the house while, while Saul's son was lying on the bed in his bedroom. After they stabbed and killed him, they cut off his head. Taking it with them, they traveled all night by way of Arabah. They brought the head of Ishbosheth, that that's Saul's son, to David at Hebron and said to the king, here is the head of ish son of Saul, your enemy who tried to kill you. The day the Lord has avenged my lord, the king against Saul and his offspring. David answered Rechab and his brother, As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, when someone told me Saul is dead and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death. He was reminding him of something, something like this happened last time. Someone bought me stuff. That was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when the wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house, in his own bed, should I not demand the blood? your hand and get rid of you. So David gave an order and put the men to death. Twice now, men thinking they're doing good things have tried to what? Essentially make David king. And he's like, you don't know what you've done. Pretty harsh. Finally, now all the tribes of Israel come to David and they anoint him king of Israel. Ba-ba. That didn't happen because of that, but over I'm paraphrasing, you know you're missing large chunks here. Finally, now David is truly king of Israel. He's 30 years old. What is he? David was a teenage boy when he received God's promise to become king of Israel, and was 30 years old when he actually became king. And all that stuff happened in between. Would you say it's a smooth journey? Nice straight line. Hey, you're going to be king. Kif, and then maybe a little bit of training, a little bit of course, a bit of king courses, and then, Bob's your father. I'm king. Not so smooth eh? Okay, cool. A little bit more. David defeats the Philistine army, brings the Ark of God back to Jerusalem, but God does, but doesn't do it God's way, and people die. But then David inquires of the Lord on how to do it, and he does it right, and then people don't die, and then the Ark comes 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 back and this is the famous story here the ark comes back and David's David's leaping around in his Andes, or oh, they didn't have boxes they wore those linen flappy things um, God um, David's wife sees him dancing and dancing and prancing around and she doesn't think that's very dignified she thinks that's very not not cool and long story short she tells him she says you are very undignified she's quite sarcastic actually in the way she speaks to him. And he says, actually, I didn't do this, I don't care what people think. So this is, there's a famous song that we sing about, I'll, be an, an, uh, I'll become even more dignified than this. And it comes from kind of this. And uh, David let, literally says, for this, I will worship and dance because I don't care what anybody thinks. Because this is way more important than what anybody thinks. And, and God saw her heart, and she never had uh, a kid after that, after that day, after that statement. God said, You won't have any kids. Okay, David rests from, from all his battles. He's, he's a bit of an older guy now, and he decides he wants to build a proper place for God, uh, for the ark, rather than because it's in a tent now. So he's got a, a beautiful palace and stuff. He says, It's not right that I have a palace. I want the ark to be in a beautiful palace, just like I live in. Um, he says that to God, and he says that to Nathan, the kind of prophet, and God says, Nyot, um. Um, but the word, and then he says that, and then this is what comes back. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build me a house to, to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I am moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders of my people Israel, I will also give you rest from all your enemies, and after that, long story short, the Lord just says, your son is going to build, your son is going to build a temple for me, it's going to come through your son, and he, and he just keeps on blessing David, he just loves his heart, he just goes, your name, Jesus is pretty much going to be part of your lineage, and he just blesses him huge. Then, that's amazing. Then David sins quickly with Bathsheba. I had to put that little black bar there because Bathsheba likes a little bit of. And, um, so long story short, David sees Bathsheba and he's, and he's cruising around after all these promises and, uh, he really likes her and he finds out that, uh, she, you spoke about that in the, in the, like in the song. And David hatches a plan to set up Bath, Bathsheba's husband to die in battle, much like Saul tried to do with him. eh? Hatches a plan, and he pretty much says, David says, hey guys, this guy, right. Ulrich, do you remember his name? Uriah, Uriah, good. Uriah, put him on the front, put him on the front of the battle, and kinda when you do, pull back. You guys, put him with you, and then just as you're about to fight, pull back a bit, and that he's out there, and he's outnumbered, and he dies. So he does that, God finds out, Nathan speaks to him, Nathan says, what have you done? Um, David says, I suck, and he repents. Uh, There's a bit of a consequence that God dishes out quickly to kind of David, Uh, his son dies. Um, And that's what happens. Then David has a couple more big battles against Absalom and the Philistines, which God gives him victory over. Uh, David has some some epic Braveheart level mighty men so just all through David's life he's had these crazy Braveheart style mighty men that have just loved him and just like he's told them to do crazy like the foreskin thing like said, do you want to get some foreskin yeah bro let's go like like there's crazy Braveheart dudes that they've stuck with him for 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 kind of many many years and and that's been been amazing okay so that's a, that's a snapshot. I tried to give us a quick snapshot of what happened between teenage promise prophecy and actually seeing that fulfilled and being the king of Israel. What do we learn? What can we learn? Not an easy journey. Anything else? Anyone else? God can give you a promise and you don't see it for decades. <clears throat> that God is faithful even if you're not faithful. If God gives you a promise, you don't have to do anything to make it happen. God will make it happen in his own time. Amazing. So, let's find stuff for ourselves here. Let's let's find stuff for ourselves here. Um, Let's let's learn for us. Let's let's. I think the point of this is not a nice theory, right? I think God doesn't write this stuff. We we can learn about things here, right? So let's try. All of these guys, and including all of the guys that how we sung about, not just David. All of these guys didn't always believe what God said would come true. All of these guys had periods of doubt some of these guys tried to make it happen themselves so so for david's story i felt like he made it happen the least remember because he wouldn't he wouldn't kill Saul he wouldn't let anyone touch god's anointed but there's a story of moses or abraham and abraham for example there was a story where his wife uh, said, "Well, I'm too old to have kids and 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 fulfil the promise." And we read this the other day. And why don't you why don't you why don't you get with my get, get with my maid servant and let's do it this way? And he did. He did. He did that. And and Abraham has been noted as the guy as credited to to righteousness for believing God. It's written about him in the scriptures that he was a man of faith. And there was a period where he listened to his wife and he and he did try human wise. Okay. Many times, I think, sometimes people have listened to others before God. You see that? And, as you said now, um, no one's story was perfect. Certainly David's wasn't. It wasn't easy and kind of perfect. But, like, many times, people have messed up along the way, often multiple times, And God didn't suddenly cancel the plan of their life. He didn't go, that's it. Ah, You see, you did the whole, you did the Uriah thing on the battle and you did that thing. That's it, you're gone. You're out. I'll cut you off. He doesn't. And God doesn't, for some reason, override, did God ever override someone to stop them from making a bad decision? He, He didn't. He didn't stop David from doing that thing with, with Bathsheba's husband. He he allowed that to happen. He almost allows that decision to be made. Because if he wanted to, he could stop it, right? He could say, don't do that, Oh, don't do that. But he doesn't, he lets us make a decision. So because God is so gracious to us, will his plan happen for our, for our lives no matter what we do then? Just on the one side, he doesn't cancel us. Hey, there's grace there, right? Do we recognize that? So then, can we do whatever we want? Where's that line? Is there a point where God's going to cancel our plan off? So God doesn't cancel it. Don't we cancel it? Okay. So there's probably there's probably I'd put it to us I'm not saying what the answers, i will put it to us I definitely do see consequences to decisions, right? So David did the Bathsheba thing, his son dies. So um, Abraham, there were consequences. There was a whole uh, situation that we live in today. So I would, I would put to us, I don't know if God ever cancels his plan for us over, over our lives. I feel like if we keep making bad decisions, consequences keep building up, and eventually those decisions are taking us off God's plan. I, like I agree with Jane. Like I feel like we take ourselves off there, and God just keeps wanting to like come back this way with us. But it's we. I, I, I feel that's what happens. I don't know if you guys agree. We can see that God is not looking for perfection. I think we can see in the story, but what He's looking for is a heart and and a willingness. Okay. So, I want to skip through this stuff. Before that, does God have a plan for us? Like the Bibles. So the Bible stories. Peter, David, everyone. Does, Does God have a plan for us? Or is it only like for special people? Like, so, so most of us that get saved, we don't really have an amazing plan, but there's a couple of special people that God chooses, and then they have a plan, and they're going to have a biblical life story, but, but not the rest of us just mere normal Christians, whatever that means. Who believes that? So, so do you guys reckon we all have a plan from God like that? sometimes feels beige, feels a bit smaller, yeah, it feels a bit smaller, but I, last time I checked, I don't think that we get to decide what God's plan for us is, so we could say it's smaller, but I think God would say that's for me to decide, thank you very much, so it maybe feels smaller for sure, I feel my I feel like my plan feels a little smaller than David's for sure, but yeah, I didn't kill 204 skins, yeah. Um, so, so we all agree that God has a plan for all of us, right? We, we agree with that, okay? If you haven't received a, received a prophecy of God's plan over you can, you, can you still walk in that plan? Do you still have one? Do you have to receive like a prophecy? Like a, and God says that you are amazing, and you will do the ha sha na 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 And if you haven't received that, how are you supposed to walk in the plan? Because you don't know the plan. Do you know what I mean? David, when he was a, when he was a teenager... You will be king of Israel. Moses, picture from God. All in the Bible, people got these uh, words and these visitations. Um, Mary, an angel appeared. You will, you, will give a, you will have a son, and his name will be Jesus, and uh, like it's immaculate. So th- all throughout the Bible, I'm saying to us, there were prophecies that were given to people that spoke about their future and that God has a plan. What happens if we don't get one? How are we supposed to walk in a plan that we don't know? Do we have to wait for a prophecy for someone before we walk in a plan? I'm asking you trick questions. Who says you can't walk in God's plan for you until you receive a prophecy? Okay, so you guys feel like, I'm trying to sneak attack you, but you guys deep down in your heart, you feel like you don't need to receive a prophecy to still walk in God's plan. You know that, eh? you saying yes, you know that you don't have to receive a prophecy to walk in God's plan. Okay, so you guys are sharp enough. Thanks for that. We don't have to cover that. Okay, good. So no prophecy up front, Doesn't mean that you don't know how to walk in God's plan, because then how do you walk in a plan that you don't know if you haven't had a prophecy? I've I've I had a prophecy when I was young, biblical proportions one. Someone stood me up in front of it, and I was like 20. Stood me up in front of the church. Watcha watcha gonna transform the things of the things and the stuff. Okay, sorry, I'm just so distracted with Dave walking, is walking in the room. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we, so we all believe that, so we all believe that, that we don't need a prophecy to, to, to walk in God's plan, okay? So we had to say that God has a plan for us, okay? This is, I don't know what, I don't know what God's plan is for you. Some of us, I might know because I might have heard a prophecy said over someone. I've heard some prophecies over you guys. I might have an inkling because God has spoken somewhat. But it's going to be very difficult for us to know exactly what God's plan is for you. I can tell you what I know God's plan is kind of going to cover. It's going to cover your whole life. When God has a plan for you, it's not like your church life or it's not like a part of your life. You know what I mean? It's not like just a section here and, then you ha- and he doesn't have a plan for this. It's going to cover your whole life. So God's plan for you is going to cover how you will grow up, where you're going to live, how you will get saved and baptized. Who's that there? Getting baptized there. What's going on there? Hey? Who's those guys? God's plan is going to cover what work you are going to do? Huh? So is how he's work God's plan. Is part of God's plan how he's work. Interesting. God's plan for you is going to cover who is going to disciple you. Where you get saved and baptized, where you work, where you live, and who God is going to put in your life to disciple you. Quick quick one. Quick one. Do you know what my view is? Do you know what my view is? Do you know some people say that you choose churches? I've heard it said many times. You choose a church, right? You go look at some churches in your area. You maybe find out about them. You look at their doctrine. You make sure that they're healthy. And you choose that church. And I feel that's fairly reasonable, I suppose. I can speak from my experience. And I've seen in some of the experiences of others I feel like a lot of the time, God plays chess with people. And I feel like a lot of the time, God takes someone and he goes, there. I want you there. Yeah, but I didn't choose this church. I didn't really. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've got a plan for you. So I need you to be over here now. Go there. Who knows for how long? But I feel like God plays chess with people because of his plan. And it's less about what the church is And stuff. And if you're joining a church, a dodgy church, I think God is gonna move you on. Okay. God is going to, God's plan for you is gonna figure out who you're gonna marry. It's not your decision by yourself. It's your decision. It can be your, look, all these things can be your decision by yourself. But if you want to move into God's plan, He wants, He's got a plan for who you're gonna marry. God's got a plan for the kids you're gonna have. God's got a plan for the gifts that he has for you. God has a plan for the influence that you're going to have on the world. God's got a plan for the influence that you're going to have in the kingdom. Okay. whose? Who's had a prophecy over their life of biblical proportion that they know what their future plan is going to be? Who's got, who who here here knows and God's told them what he wants them to do in the future? Hands up. One, prophecy over your life? Prophecy over your future? You've had a prophecy over your future? Sort of um, like a hazy one. Hazy prophecy? Hazy. Okay, so no one's got the whole like David vibe, eh? You will be the. No, 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 no. no one's told you're going to be president or so. You don't know what you're going to do. You haven't had that. Okay. Okay, so, so I would say then from the hands raised here, 80% of us, if not more, do not have a clear word and prophecy from God about what our end life is going to be in God's plan. So what do we do then? So here's what I've got to address. We all said that we have a plan from God, and we don't need a prophecy to walk in that. We all said that. But then how do we walk in it? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord and obey. I like that. Okay. Here's what I'm going to put to us. From reading the Scriptures, from reading different Bibles, here's what I'm going to put to us. You have to recognize, and you guys are good to do this and I'll try to trick you but you are very good. You have to recognize that God has a plan for you and you're not taking up oxygen. If you're confused about that, you're in trouble, out the bat, out the bat. You have to know that you're not generic. If you don't believe that you're not generic, like, what are you doing? You're just going through the motions. So you have to understand that God has a plan for you, and you're not just to be like somebody else. There's something specific for you, okay? Then you have to remind yourself every day, because you know what happens? You wake up tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and life sucks, guys. Sometimes life really feels like it, it deals you a hard... Does it feel like or does it not feel like at times that you don't have a plan, and that life is random, and that bad things happen to us all the time, and there is no plan. Doesn't it feel like that? Now we've got to settle this with God then. Like I would say, I've taken many a walk on the beach, and many a... And I've had words with God, and I said, God, respectfully, I love you, but you need to explain to me because I don't understand what's going on right now. My life feels out of control, and it doesn't feel like you're in control. I can't tell you the amount of times I've said that, and I've, I've come to him. The Psalms, when you read the Psalms, remember I said like a few times ago, when you read the Psalms, how do all those Psalms start? My enemies are at my feet. I'm dying. Where are you? Where are you? And then as you read, they say, but God, you're amazing, and you've saved me a few times in the past, and I'm sorry, I forgot. So you need to find God because you know he has a plan for you, and you can't just sit like this, okay? God, what I've seen, loves to reward openly what's done in private. He loves that stuff. He loves like he loves the, "You humble yourself, you do your thing, you don't worry about what anyone else thinks, you do what's right in front of me, you be faithful and you trust me, and no one else sees it. And you're almost doing it, no one else knows. And he loves to go, "That's my boy. Come,!" And he loves to lift up what's done in private. Whereas human-wise, we lift up ourselves, right? God loves to go, this guy. And everyone says, who are you going to choose? Who are you going to choose? David, right? Who are you going to choose? And everyone's like, that guy. Choose that guy. Choose that guy. And God goes, I choose this guy. And Everyone's like, hmm? I see the heart. I know what's in private. You don't know what's in private. You just see what's on the outside. You see what's visual. That's what humans see. God sees what's in private. He's my guy, and he's going to be lifted up. God loves to do that. So, what's a great secret? Don't do, don't get caught up in what's external and visual. Be faithful to God in the private, and you cannot go wrong. I promise you that. I promise you that. Be the person who's more interested, be the person who's more interested in what God thinks about you than what people think. Hey. Because they haven't got a plan for your life, right? They're not the people with the plan for your life. So you're going to listen to them? Because if you do, you could be going off the plan for your, for your life, and that and that leads me to, to, to this point here. Careful who you take advice from. Check it, David's story, check it, David's story. How many times did people even close to him, so I'm not talking about, okay, so maybe for us, right, we all understand that some random people we don't know could give give us advice and we'll go, thanks, I don't know you, I'm good. But I'm saying this, in the Bible, if we're going to read the Bible, not my opinion, if we're going to read the Bible, how many times Abraham, David, people even close to you who mean well, and I'm not saying that these people's hearts are wrong, people who mean well are giving you bad advice. David, take it, it's yours. David, see, God has delivered the Israel into your hands right now. They were wrong. They meant well, but they were wrong. So what are you looking for? What are you looking for? But at the same time, there's a Jonathan, wasn't there? And kind of Jonathan came along, came along David, and David was fleeing for his, for his life, and Jonathan said, don't forget. You're going to be king, and I'm going to be second to not my father, but to you. And he's like, thanks, bro you reminded me of God's plan for my life. So that was an example of a good relationship, of someone who did the right thing in God. So can I can I put this to us? We need people around us. Absolutely, we're not going to do this by ourselves 100%. Can I put it to us? What you're looking for in your relationships, what we're looking for in relationships is is people that are helping us achieve our plan in God. They are, they are helping us essentially hear God. They are not trying to give us too much of their own opinion. They are not trying to give us an opinion, but they actually love us enough to actually like, I'm going to try and help you hear God for your plan. I'm not going to try and put my own thoughts or things in there. I'm going to try and hear God for you. Because true friendship is, I want God's plan for your life. I don't want my plan for your life. Does that make sense? Is that cool? Let's try to be that to each other. Get to know your father. He's the source of everything. Dude, the relationship that David had with God, even if you read Abraham and all these guys, the relationship that, that they had with God uh, was was the source of everything. Remove anything that gets in the way of your relationship with your Father. Remove everything. Learn to hear His voice, and when He speaks, do what He says. So, last one on this, because we're almost done. This is it. Um, We walk this, we walk our plan out on this earth with god and with people what is first prize what is the best possible route that can happen for us to walk in the plan that god has for us is to hear god for ourselves it's to hear the word of god like god's like speaking to, to, to us that even our relationships with each other are helping each other hear god for ourselves If we can't even hear God for ourselves, and it's okay if we don't, and it's not easy, but at some stage we all need to be hearing God. And I mean, it's hard for all of us. But at some like that's that's why Jesus died, didn't he? And I want to like charge us. Like I want to charge us. um, We can definitely obey the Lord. Def- we can definitely obey the Lord by listening to our leaders and stuff, for sure. We definitely can, because they can often see things that we can't see. Dion can the- theologically correct this if he, if he feels it's off, but for me, the reason why Jesus died on the cross is that we would hear God for ourselves. Would you, would you agree with that? The first chief reason why Jesus died on the cross that we could hear God for ourselves and that it wasn't this mediation, um, he, he wanted to remove any any person between us and god and he wanted us to hear god for for ourselves and that people are around us to ultimately help us do that okay